Hebrews 10.36 there says, you have need of endurance to get through all the way so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. That, that Hebrews 11 is then going to follow this and it's going to show the promise that God had that He made to all these people of faith. And Hebrews 10.36 talks about it right here. To receive what was promised. They didn't receive it in the physical land that they were looking for, but it went much further than that. And of course, it points to Christ and it points to all the rest of eternity and the eternal city. And we too look at that. We have the promise too, don't we? As we look back at it, they look forward to it. And uh, so they endured. They endured through uh, pretty tough times. So in our text, it's going to return to this theme of endurance as he mentions it in Hebrews 10.36. Isn't that the beauty of reading through a book? You go back, you get the context, and there it is. There, he just introduced it in 36.10, then gives a whole chapter of 11 of these people of faith. And now here we are in chapter 12 and he's going to return back to endurance. He gave the examples in 11. Now he returns back to this and he says the Christian life is an endurance test. Every day you live in your Christian life is a test. It's, it's to endure. And of course, to live the Christian life is narrow, isn't it? And sometimes it's taking the hill of difficulty when it would seem easier to go around and meet it on the other side, that path, right? But there are no shortcuts. God has planned this race for us. So we are to persevere in the Christian race. To keep persevering. And so the writer of Hebrews sat down, wrote this letter to them, and he was encouraging the Christians spread all over the area that, okay, I know you're struggling in your faith. Some of you are worse than others. And there's persecution going on. We see that in the book of Hebrews. It says that this is happening. But they are to endure. And so he really writes this as a matter of encouragement. And to the ones who were really not of the faith but had professed it but were really not true, he says, come on all the way on over. Come on. Trust Christ to the believers, he says, come on, get up. You can do it. Come on. It's, it's the power of God that gets you through. Trust in Him. So, let's turn to Hebrews 12. Let's read um, three verses here. And let's stand in honor of God's Word. Of course, uh, this is encouragement. This is encouragement to run the race. To run the marathon. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful passage that You have for us today as we graze on the food that You give us. Thank You, Lord, for that because it gives us great encouragement to live this Christian life knowing everyone else is right there beside us and they're encouraging us on as we run this race. We're all on the same team if we're Christians. We know we have the enemy who would like to keep us from finishing the race, would like us to stop in our tracks, to stumble, to fall down, to follow some other path. But Lord, by Your great grace, we thank You that You keep us on the path. Help us to desire that, to continue to run this race. Amen. Well, running the race... A lot of figures of speech in the Bible about Christians. We're called a lot of things to help us understand who we are and who God is. 
And as you live the Christian life, you realize that um, you're a soldier. You're a soldier who's fighting a war. You ever felt like a soldier fighting a war? If you're a Christian, you know it. You fought the war. You fought many battles. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And here we go. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. We're enlisted as a soldier. You have to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So it's not surprising to think of the Christian life as warfare. That's a good picture, isn't it? So uh, often in your lives you might think of that. Um, We uh, are to put on the what? The armor of God. So there's the soldier. Uh, Another one is a wrestler. And of course, in their Olympics back at that time, wrestlers were, were known. Uh, the races of running were known. And so those illustrations were used by Paul. And the Hebrews writer is really uh, taken by the, the aspect of running, running the race. Well, in Ephesians 6.12, uh, it also talks about we're in a war. It also says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against all spiritual forces, the, the whole the enemy, right? We wrestle against the enemy, not against flesh and blood. So we we're wrestlers. We we wrestle. In fact, that's kind of what um, Israel, the word Israel meant. It means to wrestle with God, to persist with God. Um, so sometimes, and of course, um, Jacob wrestled with God, didn't he? And he was later named Israel. And that's how that became of that. Uh, matter of fact, it messed his leg up from there on out. So he never forgot that wrestling match that he had with the Lord. Uh, and, but we're wrestlers. And if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we get some more pictures here. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, 27, I believe it is. Actually, start 24. Do you not uh, do you not know that those who run in a race, there's a run. We'll come back to that. But only receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it. Receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Not in a senseless way, but in a way that is meaningful. So that we are compared to boxers. We're boxing. This is this is another fight, right? And and we must discipline ourselves to do that. That's taken again out of the picture of the uh, the Olympics that they had at that time. Um, another one that we would think of would be a slave. We're called slaves of Jesus Christ, right? In the Book of Romans or Galatians six seventeen, we're called farmers. We are farmers. I, uh, that, that illustration was done not too long back when we were in 2 Timothy. Uh, we emphasize this. 2 Timothy 2, verse 6. <laughs> the hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. So he said, a farmer. Uh, he's also in this section, he talked about the soldier of Christ Jesus in verse 3. He talked about the athlete in verse 5, which we've been talking about. Now here's the farmer. The, and those illustrations are fantastic. He gets on a level, God does, with us and gets right down, talks baby talk to us so that we can understand who we are and what we do. And they all knew about farming. It was an agrarian society. Many of the Greek people were familiar with the Olympics and, and the, the running and such. So the Hebrew writer who was writing to Hebrew people, Jewish people, who are scattered out into the Gentile uh, Jewish or, or, or into the Gentile realm, um, that's what he is um, speaking to at this time. We're also known as the bride, the bride of Christ. That's a beautiful illustration, isn't it? And just to humble us a little bit from going to from a bride to a sheep. We're sheep. 
Of course, He was the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. But He's the shepherd also. We are His sheep. And He leads us. It's, we think of Psalm... What is it, Psalm 23? Do you know that one? <laughs> yeah. And of course, think of John 10. Uh, the the running we we just read in First Corinthians nine twenty four through twenty seven it was about boxing but it was about running also there. Uh, if you turn to Philippians chapter two verse sixteen, since this is really the issue that we're dealing with today, running, we'll uh, look up a few of these verses. I think it's fascinating. They were interested in athletics at that time because people um, knew of that, so they would get on their level and and introduce things that they would know of, and that would help them to. Um, Understand? That's the way that we do today too. We try to get on a level where a lost person is at, and then we try to get them into the things of God, right? Uh, Philippians 2.16 says, "...holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, when He comes back, I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain." That's the Christian life. That's the walk. There were walkers too. I forgot about saying that, right? We're walkers, we're runners. We, but he says, I didn't run in vain. I don't want to run in vain. When it comes to the time when Christ comes back, I want to continue to be running. You know, I want to be doing that. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, just a couple of books back there. Uh, again, running. Galatians 5, 7. It says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And that was the legalizers that had come in. The Jewish legalizers. Judaizers. You were running well. You were doing great. Who hindered you? Who put the roadblocks in front? What happened? You were doing so well. Something came up and stole your joy. And so he writes that. Again, using that analogy. Did we do 2 Timothy 4.7? I don't think we did, right? Let's turn to there. Dealing with running. Second Timothy four seven. I have fought the good fight. There's your boxing. There's your wrestling. And then we he says, I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. I finished the course. I ran the race. Went all the way up to that point, and he knew that it was the end of his life. It was coming very close. Paul was going to get his head chopped off. He knew that was coming. He says, I finished it. Thank the Lord. I have been able to do what He set out for me to do. Don't you all want to do that? Well done, good and faithful steward, right? That's what we want to hear. That's really what we want to hear. So no matter where you've been at, it starts right now. You know, if you're in the if you've in the race, if you're a Christian, you're in it. You know, but get back up and start running, right? So the author of the epistle, I think, uses a really good picture here. Um, it talks about winning the race. And, of course, that's, that's the event, the race. Uh, we look back at our, our Hebrews passage in our chapter 12. And um, I'm going to kind of skip a few words and then come back to it in verse 1. By the way, the first word is really important. And it's a word you see all the time. Why is therefore, therefore? Therefore is therefore a reason, right? Because of those people of faith in chapter 11, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, and I'm going to skip that for the moment if we can, and we'll come back to it. Let us, let us, and you'll see that kind of fragrant here, let us... Also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we're going to look at the race just for a moment. Quite a metaphor here. This race, we've already talked about the running. Uh, This is not running a 100 meter race. You know, it's like in 10 seconds it's over. This is for the long haul. It is a marathon. It's a marathon that goes on for the rest of our lives. It's a marathon. When one thinks of marathon, sometimes they think it's a little grueling. And of course, those last few miles really are. You're running on fumes. Of course, I I talk like I've done it. No. I don't think I've even wanted to. But, it's a great illustration of what the uh, 
Christian life is about. Now, we, we do have, uh, I think we've had some runners here. I have one runner sitting right here, Julia. You've run, not, and, 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 and Nondor, 5Ks, right? 10Ks? How about 15Ks, 20Ks? Did, have you thought, and you've probably thought about a marathon or a half marathon. Have you done it yet? I'm not even going to try to encourage you on because I can't do that. So, But that's, that's a great illustration, isn't it? Because when you start running the, the 10K, you know, the 5K, okay, a lot of people do that. When it gets to 10K, it's a little more difficult, isn't it? And so you get the more people that are really interested in running that are involved in that, right? So a guy like me could probably get away with doing a 5K I would probably run 200 yards in it, and then the rest of it I'd walk, which you can do, right? It's a walk-run yeah. thing. Okay. So everybody can do that. But this this marathon here, it's 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 different. It's it's treated in a whole different way than a than a hundred meter race. A uh, hundred meter race, you give everything that you have for that that uh, quick, very very quick moment of time. I'm not I'm not sure. I think Sam, you've done hurdles before. Did you do the hundred meter? Did you do that? Yeah. Yeah, and it's great because it's over and done with. I mean, well, what happened? Oh, I missed. I went up to get a Coke. It's over. You know? Yeah, I was done in 10 seconds. Yeah. Or, or did you run it in 9.8 or something? <laughs> Pretty close though, right? I heard you were fast. So, and But, but that's, that's a good thing because it, it, it is grueling, but it's just it, it's over and it's done with. And then you go... <laughs> but the ones that have to do the marathon and... Of course, I ha- I used to run the the 440, and then they they took me out of the 440 and had me do the 880. I wasn't a fan, and that was the last year I went into that. And the next year I went out for baseball, which was a little bit more like me. Uh, when you were born again, you were brought up to the starting line, and you started. But there is the aspect that you are to finish it. The, the new birth doesn't get us to the finish line. I mean, in one sense, yeah, it does because you're saved. But it means that you go on through the Christian life. There are things that you will go through in your Christian life that the Lord has for you. Now, there may be people here, all of us are running if you're Christians. There may be some that are running well well-oiled machines and just you know running this this race doing the walk in the Christian life obedient desiring the Lord and then there's others that might be not running the race very well at all you're running but boy it's really hard it's slow it's grueling you have to kind of take a stop for a moment here and there um, there are long hills to climb in this run, isn't there? A lot of hills. You need to maintain your motivation. That's what I've heard in the marathon. There's a motivation there that they have to be able to see as they get through. There is the end of the race. They're looking to that. They you know they want to win. They want to, they they are competing. And the Christian life, we're not competing against each other. We all want to win and we all can win. Together, uh, we're a team. That's good to know, isn't it? We're a team, and we're here to help each other. You know, it's like uh, we're a tag team. You know, we just we need to be tagged sometimes. Somebody saying, "Hey, you know, it's okay, man. You can do it. Just keep going, keep going." Isn't it, isn't it encouraging to have that along with you? So that's what we want. But we we are competing against the enemy of our souls, who does not want us to mean anything for the kingdom of God. He opposes that kingdom of God. He wants us to drop out of the race. He wants us to quit. He wants us to stop doing what we have been doing. He wants us to say, okay, I've done far enough. I've got other things I've got to do and that's not important anymore. Uh, it's part of my life, but it's not a big deal. It's, it's less than what it used to be. Does that guy, does, guys, does that make you concerned? Whenever people kind of quit, they stop. And that's what the enemy loves. It's a race. A race signifies this. You know what the word for race is here in Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1? 
let us run with endurance the race. The word is, and you guys are familiar with it, you're going, what is it? What is it? Agon. Does anybody know what that means? Agony. Agony. We've heard that many times, haven't we? It's agony. Let us run the race. Let us run the agony. Oh man, the Hebrew writer struck the Greek word right at the heart, didn't he? This is what a race is. This is the long haul. It means to agonize in the English word. There's the marathon again. It's a lifelong race. It's challenging to be an enduring runner, isn't it? To keep it up, to keep going. It can be tiring. Have you ever gotten tired in this race? There's no place for standing still though. There's no place for dropping and stopping or even walking slowly because we want to win the race. So it's an agony. It's agonizing. It's a relentless event. It's lifelong. Oh, I'm full of joy today, aren't I? (laughs) Here we go again. Dennis, can't you give us some more uplifting news? That's what this section is about. We go to point number two. That was running the race. Point number two here in verse one is encouragement. That's what we want, right? Okay, I'm in the race. Okay, I'm in the marathon. Okay, I'm in the agon. But man, I need encouragement. Okay, we're going to get it. Back up, and we'll pick up where we first started. Therefore, because of this, since, because of this, we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Okay, we have witnesses surrounding us. Now, I know there are many commentators who will say this. Is it a possibility? It could be, but I will tell you, I don't necessarily uh, prescribe it. But it's like a stadium, and we're all on a track, and we're running around the track, running and running and running. We just keep running, and we keep going because we look up in the stands, and there is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and there's uh, Abel, and and then you have uh, Rahab, and all those people in chapter 11. They're all there, and they're looking down, and they're looking to see what we're going to do. They're looking at us. Spectators. They're going to see if we're going to finish the race. They're going to check out our performance. And they're rooting us on, though. Come on, you can do it. Now, that's one view of it. And it sounds pretty good. Then I read a lot of other commentators who I think nail it on the head. It's, it's a little bit better for us, I think. Um, who are these guys? Um, when, when you think about interpretation of course you get you can get into all sorts of ideas but it's not as spectators but as what the word here says they're witnesses surrounding us they are witnesses in scripture they are in scripture because god used their names to show that these are just humans they are men and women who trusted in the promises of God they are witnesses so we look at them in chapter 11 and throughout the all of scripture and then people all throughout church history who have been the same and they are witnesses to us that you can do it they did it you can do it they trusted God It wasn't easy, was it? And we looked at the last part of chapter 11 and then we see some of those guys living in caves and holes in the ground and uh, chains and imprisonments and deserts and mountains and all of that kind of stuff. And, And then we see some of the ones who had great faith and Moses' parents and Moses himself and on and on. Noah and his everyday building that boat out there in the wilderness and what have you. So, you know... Uh, we look at that and we see these works of faith. These people that are found in Scripture, they are witnesses to us. Now, does that make even better sense? Because the reason I say that is, if it's this would be the only Scripture would be then where Old Testament saints and people who have died and gone before us are looking at us now. Nowhere in Scripture do we ever see where the the dead saints are looking at us and seeing our actions. I think it would take joy away. 
Because that's still things that's happening on the earth. I think they're in pure joy uh, rejoicing with uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the rest of the saints who've gone before us. They do, you know, it's, it's like that's, that's their lives now. Um, but so that's, that's the idea. Um, it says here a cloud of witnesses. The word is nephete. That's a cloud or a mass. It's a mass of body of witnesses. It's a huge amount of believers who've gone before us. We see the ones that are in Scripture in chapter 11. They surround us. Here's, here's the way that they did it. They are living witnesses to us that we can do it. A cloud of witnesses. So that's that's an idea. They they are a testimony. A witness is a testimony, isn't it? They are a testimony to the power and blessing of a life of faith. Now how about that? Does that help us there? Does that help grab this idea? They're witnesses of how powerful it is when somebody lives a life of faith. And of course we spent weeks and weeks on that chapter. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses to the power of faith, let's run the same faith race like they did. Don't quit! Right? You know what? We should be motivated by that. And I do want to tell you, the finish line is not too far ahead. (laughs) Keep on going. Because you can make it. You'll do it. It's there. Don't quit now. So often, as people get older, it gets tiring and more grueling. And you've already read the Bible. You've already read the commentaries. You've already heard uh, the tapes. And it is, you know, that's kind of old. It, I know all about it. I'll, I'll show up at church once in a while. And, it's, you know, I already know that stuff. I've heard a guy that didn't go to Sunday school one time. And, you know, he's like 30 years old. And he says, you know what? I have no need for that because I already know it. I already know everything about what's in the Bible. Man, that guy is amazing, isn't he? I mean, he to, to know everything that's in the Bible, it's almost like, it's almost like he's, he's God. I felt sorry for him. I feel sorry for anybody who quits who doesn't study, who doesn't read anymore, doesn't need that, they'll say a prayer once in a while. But they really, it's, they've been through it all. Yeah, it's grueling, but we never have the right to do that. Matter of fact, we should be better in our drive to that. Say, well, I, I don't feel like it physically. You know what? God has given all of this before us. Look at all the knowledge He's already given us. Granted, it's not very much compared to what's all in here. But He's given us quite a bit we can draw upon. Look how much advantage we have over somebody who's a brand new Christian. And you joy over a new Christian, don't you? And you know that, hey, listen, they're going to grow in Christ. They're going to, they're going to take their baby steps. They're going to learn to crawl and then to walk. And they're going to fall down. They're going to get back up. And then they're going to start running, right? We're, we know that, but it's a joy to see you know brand new believers but it's a joy to see somebody who's been in the Lord and they're still in the Word. Matter of fact, you can't get enough of them. Isn't that what we want to be? We want people, young people to be attracted to us because of our relationship to Christ. And that's what the fathers of the faith do. I can say mothers, but in First John he calls it fathers. That's people who are mature and they know God. They've sought after Him. They, you know, they know the Word. They still read the Word. They're in it. They know how to defend the faith, but they have such a close relationship with the Lord. So, I want to tell you, there's power in testimonies, isn't there? When there's people around you like that to do that, and there's power and testimonies in people's walks right here in this church right here. I get encouraged hugely whenever I hear a story how the Lord brought one from point B to point C to point D. Man, that's fascinating to hear what what God is doing now. You meet somebody for the first time, they've been a Christian for 30 years, and they tell you some stories, and you go, wow, that was God doing that. That was Him that was behind all that, even though that person went through it. 
So this is done practically right here in our church. As we run the race, we get encouraged as we run together. As we run together. It's, it's practically done. Done in a, in a real way. You know what? I heard a message by David Jeremiah yesterday and he closed out with a story. He says, we run best at the end. We run best at the end. And if I have enough time, I'll see if I can illustrate that a little bit with that uh, with a story on that. Dealing with actually running and such. If we don't have enough time, well, um, I apologize. Okay, um, now there, there's a warning about hindrances here. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin. Lay that aside, which so easily entangles us. Okay, we're running the race. There's some hurdles. There's different things that we will encounter. The word weight here, or encumbrance. Lay aside every weight. Lay aside every encumbrance. It's dealing with unnecessary baggage. It means weight. Um, Greek runners in the Olympics actually would run races or even do other things. They would actually compete. It's hard to believe. They'd compete naked. Um, Sounds crazy, but of course that was probably the times. But... um, it was to take anything off that would keep you from running your best race. Um, not to be encumbered. Now, Olympic athletes in our day pretty well illustrate those original Olympic athletes. They uh, wear about as skimpy as outfits as you can ever imagine. <laughs> Sometimes it's almost embarrassing. But, you know, at the same time, and, and I, I'm not you know saying that's the best idea, but... Uh, they're trying to get anything off of them that would lose a, a thousandth of a second off of their competing at the end of their race. Anything that would take that off. Can you imagine the Boston Marathon? Everybody knows about the Kenyan runners, right? Those Kenyan runners, they run quite the race. And of course, they are in great shape. They're ready to compete to win. And so then you have some Americans who do pretty good with that too. And then you see this one guy, he's a, he's a flabby kind of guy, and he's wearing a, a parka, and he has his all-weather boots on, and uh, he has his, uh, I, I guess, a pack on him. It's a 50-pound pack. Somebody's thinking, what in the world is he doing? And he's getting up there near the line, and he's going to run this Boston Marathon too. Somebody asks, hey, what's in the pack? He says, I've got all the sodas and all the Twinkies that I'll need to finish this race. All right. He's going to finish the race, right? No, I don't think so. That guy wouldn't stand a chance to even get close to finishing the Boston Marathon. We must lay aside every encumbrance, every weight. The word there is onkos. Onkos, it's actually a medical term. It's a weight. It came to be known for, uh, if you know anything about cancer, right, you know about the the oncologist, a specialist. Uh, He's one who deals with a weight or a mass, a, a tumor. Oncology actually is the science of tumors. There's something there that shouldn't be there. It needs to be taken out, doesn't it? So it's like if you're running a marathon, you can't run around in a suit and a tie and uh, shoes that I've got on here or heavy work shoes and such. Uh, an oncologist, a cancer specialist, is going to take try to get every ounce of that superfluous flesh out of there. It's something that's not supposed to be there. So, can you imagine running in a cummerbund? How about with what extra weights on? You train with weights sometimes. You carry those. But in this sense, in the race, you don't do that. Uh, we're not talking about necessarily uh, sins here. Uh, not the foremost sins at all. Uh, it actually can include even the pleasures of life. The things that actually can be good. Things that God has given us. And, and keep that in mind as He says this. 
Uh, let's take um, let's take for example gardening. Um, pretty neat thing to do if you like to do that. I mean, it's you know keeping things up around your yard. You have to take some time to do it. It takes a lot of effort, but it's it's rewarding in the sense that hey, you know, okay, I got this done. You know, good. You know, but. Um, it's kind of one of those things, it's like anything else, if it keeps one from the Word of God, if it keeps one from uh, ministering and having the Lord first in your life, then that gardening can be a weight. Now, it's, it's not to say, hey, you need to be lazy and don't do anything to yard. Matter of fact, don't even bother to mow your yard all summer long. It gets up to here, Tom was telling me that'll turn to seed and then you got extra free seed. Uh, hey, that's an idea, that's cheap. Uh, there's one problem though. Uh, your neighbors may call the police on you and you may have to get that mode, right? Um, kind of like what Department of Natural Resources finally did. They finally mowed their grass because they got the new director of revenue and I said, yes! Because it looked absolutely ridiculous in that area when you have grass all summer growing this high. And then you have visitors that come there and they're going, what in the world is this? That's what I said when I first visited there. It's a neat looking building and then you got all this stuff around there. Well, Anyway, but we don't want it. We don't want to take so much time that we forget about our walk with the Lord, right? So it goes with what? Golf, fishing, hunting, playing baseball, playing tennis, entertainment, TV, music. You go on and on. Education. Name anything. Anything besides knowing God, and there can be things that can be weights. You're saying, "Well, you mean get rid of it all?" No, we're not even saying that. We're saying there are things, necessary things, actually, that God has given us, and, and then He's given us pleasures of life to enjoy. But it's knowing when to not let it rule us and to take us from the things of God. It's not to take us from meeting here with God's people, because if that person is not there, guess what? We all get cheated. And that person gets cheated because it's a divine appointment with God. By the way, if you were to show up at the king and he says, be there at a certain time, would you want to be there at the castle at the time that was noted? Right? If the king is there, why aren't you meeting with the king at that time and meeting same time, same station? Right? And and so... that. Otherwise, there are other things that are taking us from those things. I know this can be stepping on toes, but it gets us all. It can get me. It does get me. And it gets you. Like I said, I, I named some hobbies. I named some things that I like to do. And they can definitely overtake that. I like the playoffs times of the year. And uh, so you get to see your best baseball at the same time. That can take away from uh, the things that sometimes you should be doing. Legitimate things, though. They are legitimate. How do you know when to and when not to? And then ask yourself, okay, is this helpful to me or is this hurtful to me at this time, right? Is this helpful to others or is it hurtful to others? Anyway, uh, look in Colossians 2, 16 and 17. This is even legalism here. Some people can get wound up in legalism. Even on in this time uh, 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 of, of 2017, stuff still happens. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Sometimes you, you always have these certain people that say, you have to worship on the Sabbath. Say so, yeah, I go to, I go to Sunday uh, church. Yeah, no, no, it's we're talking Saturday. You have to worship on Saturday. If you don't, you've taken the mark of the beast. <laughs> I kid you not. That's that's some Seventh Day Adventists have, have said that. That's what their theology is on that. It's not the mark of the beast. As a matter of fact, it's celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, and that's why we meet on Sunday or the first day of the week. If somebody wants to worship on Saturday, that's just fine too. If you want to worship on Monday, that's fine too. If you want to worship on Tuesday, any day of the week. But don't tell others that they have to do it on a particular new moon, a festival, or on a, on a Sabbath. And so that can be a weight, can it? It drags people down to think, oh no, I, I'm going to take the mark of the beast. Maybe our church is wrong. Maybe the church has been around, is really wrong for 2,000 years. And I, I must go and worship on Saturday. 
That's a big weight. That's an encumbrance, isn't it? Okay, the next one here in Hebrews 12 is the sin which so easily entangles us. If we want to run the race, I know some of this is really hard stuff and can really hit hit on, and it's not intended for anybody personally. Matter of fact, it can be though, it can be intended for me, right? Because we need to be told, oh, I need to cut this off. As I'm running this race, this is kind of hindering me. So I need to cut. So now he gets to sin. The other ones were things that were not necessarily sin. They can be good things, but know how to use them correctly and win. Um, keep the weight down, right? Does it help us? Does it enable us to cut that weight off to be a better Christian? So entangling sin. The word sin here is. Um, it's S-I-N. You can say, what, what's, what's the deal? What's singular, isn't it? Sin. And I like to think of it mostly, it's, it's, have you ever heard of a, a besetting sin or a particular sin that really drags you down? Habitual. Um, a sin that, that keeps you keep doing, right? And that you know that this is really not good for me. Um, and so this is what we're talking the sin. And the sin which so easily entangles us. And entangling sin, a particular sin here. We know we battle with sins, but every one of us knows there's a particular sin that we have to deal with. And we are vulnerable every time that it is rearing its ugly head at our face, right? It's a particular sin. And when that happens, you look to the Holy Spirit, you ask Him to show you how to defeat this sin, and you depend upon the very power of God to do that. We know that God's grace is absolutely sufficient for every sin that we deal with. But that one sin, it's like, I can't beat it. Just when I thought I did, here it is again. Right? There was one sin that the Hebrews had. And if you take the whole book of Hebrews in context, we can name that sin. You guys want to know what that sin is? You want to know? Ah, let's just move on. <laughs> that sin is... What is Hebrews 11 about? Faith. What's the opposite of faith? Unfaith or unbelief. They had a problem of faith or unbelief. If you look in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, there were many of the Israelites out in the wilderness, they were strung out all over that place. All of them died, didn't get to get in the promised land. Those particular people had unbelief. 3.13 says this, but encourage one another day after day. I think that's pretty good news there. Encourage every day. As long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be what? Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, in the context, it's unbelievers here. And he's, but they're professing to be Christians in, in the book of Hebrews, but he takes this all the way back to the desert in the time of Moses and such. And he's using that as an illustration. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. They were people of unbelief. Even believers can have times of unbelief on certain things of God, not believing Him or not simply trusting Him. Belief and trust go hand in hand, don't they? They just don't trust Him there. So they take it on their own, right? And so that's an entangling sin that they had. They were unbelieving. And even Christians, unbelieving sometimes. That can ensnare us, can't it? And so keep trusting. Keep trusting Him. Uh, what kind of sins? Look in Galatians 5. We get a list of sins here, but it's not complete. It's just a short list. Just a little. Verse 19. Now, He's talking about the Spirit wars against the flesh. You guys recognize that, right? That's the war. That's the war of the warriors, and there we go. That's what he's setting up. The Spirit and the flesh be filled with the Spirit, right? But in, in uh, what did I say? Which verse? 
19, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. That means everybody can understand these are sins. Which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, ditto, 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 right? Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If that is a lifestyle and you continue on with those things, it's going to show that you really have never been in the kingdom of God. Even though you professed, you really aren't a Christian. So it's entangling sins. You can't run a race, a marathon, a hundred meter race for that matter, with a robe entangling your legs, right? Um, how often in the Scriptures you know, it says to take up your robe and put it under your belt, right? Uh, cinch it up or take it off. You know, tuck it in your belt or cast it totally aside. Of course, they would, they would have other clothes underneath that, but uh, this particular robe, it's going to hinder them if they have to run. Can you imagine running in a robe? You know, a big old heavy coat or something and, and running. It, that's why he says take that, that off. Or this besetting sin. And sin always begins where? In the mind. The battle for the mind the enemy loves to get at. So judge all your sin in, in your thoughts. When your thoughts come up, judge those. Check those out. It can be pride, it can be lust, it can be envy, it can be greed, it can be anger, it can be grumbling, it can be selfishness. Forget yourself, take up the cross, follow me, right? All these things originate in our thought life. And that's where it goes on and on and on from there. Uh, We can trip over our sins. We don't want to be tripping in this race, do we? So that, that entangling sin being wrapped up by things that don't need to be there, and especially the sin. Get rid of it. That makes sense, doesn't it? So he says, therefore, since we have this cloud of witnesses, they made it through it. He says, you, let us lay aside every encumbrance, anything that's it's okay, but it's taking some of your time, and the sin which so easily entangles us. Get rid of it. Let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Now we come to endurance. And this is the great concern in the book of Hebrews. If you look up uh, where we first started with in Hebrews 10.36, it was talking about... uh, matter of fact, I'm just going to turn back there. It's just shortly there. 10.36 says... For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. You have need of endurance. You you must endure. And we must endure all the way through. And that's what he said to the Hebrews. And he says, I'm going to show you some who endured, right? Chapter 11. Now here we go with this. Uh, This is the great concern starting from very chapter 1 of Hebrews all the way through there, that these people would show that they're Christians by enduring, persevering. If you're running a marathon, you can't make up your own course, can you? Can you imagine running a cross-country race and you say, ah, they're going that way, but I know a shorter way and that's the route I'm going to take. What happens? You are disqualified. Can't run that. The race is set before us. I like that. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know what that means, don't you? Everybody has been given their course to run. God is sovereign and He knows exactly the race that you are to run and He set it for you. He sets the course for each one of us. Granted, we start by God. We do it by the Holy Spirit, His power all the way through, but we each have that course that He's given us. We may be prone to grumble. Why did the course have to go over this hill and through this swamp? Why did that have to be? 
because the sovereign God planned it that way because it was perfect for you. You won't be able to run by faith unless you submit your will to His and saying, this is my course. This is what He's given me. This is a blessing. Running with endurance. You guys probably know what the word is for this. We've come across it so many times. Hupo mone. Hupo mone. Um, to remain under. Hupo, under. Mone is to, to remain there. To be underneath. To be underneath certain problems. To be underneath certain difficulties. To remain under challenge. It, it, the good word for it is to remain. Hupomone. To remain or to stick around. To stick around like glue. Stick around. Remain there. To remain under the difficulty. To remain under the struggle. Knowing that God is going to get you through this. There will be obstacles. There will be problems. You will get weary. You will get tired. You will get distracted. This is the Christian race, isn't it? You say, yeah, I'm getting out of here. There's the door. Goodbye. (laughs) No, we know better because we've already seen some of these obstacles. We've seen them many, many times. You can say, well, I like like the 400-meter race because... By the way, it is 400 meter race. I said 440 and 880. That's what it was known back at that time. And now we know we're showing my age. But the the, the 440 is is more than, uh, or the 400 is more than the 100 meter race. So you set forth, I'm going to do the 400 meter race. And then when you get there, people are passing you by because they're running the marathon. It doesn't stop there, it's quite a distance. What's the key to running the marathon? Motivation. It's motivation. Uh, There's really the source. Uh, The source is Christ. We are to endure to the end. We run best at the end. There was a cross-country team. This is where I'm getting back to. I said I'll get to the story. We really don't have enough time, but I'll try to get it and and done short. And you guys probably said, what did he just say? Uh, But... um, uh, this cha- this team was a champion, and they won the state championship one year. They won it a second year, and their motto is "We run best at the end of the race." We run best at the end because they knew, they taught their athletes, their runners, how to kind of get yourself in the right mode and how to pace as you go along this race. You want to stay up enough, but at the same time, not pour yourself out. Everybody knows about pacing, and that's the most difficult part of running the race. Everybody knows you have to pace yourself. But that's where they would really turn it on, and it was at the end. And their best running of the race was right at the end, and they would always pass people up because the other people weren't ready to go. They were still running good, but they weren't running like the champions ran. So they won it year after year. And people said, they tra- everybody trains the same way they train and they work them out, they run, of the- but they ran best at the end. This is the key word. This is endurance. I want to come to the end of my life being faithful to God. I want to be able to be doing things there that maybe I wasn't doing whenever I was younger. I want to win the prize. And that's what Timothy or Paul wrote to Timothy about in 2 Timothy 4, 7-8. through 8. He fought the fight. He finished the course, right? He finished it. He did what God was telling him to do to win that. And you know what? Christians will endure. If you are a Christian, He is faithful to keep us as Christians. I think of Philippians 1, 6. It is an encouragement. So this means that we do keep running. Uh, For I am confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will make it come to the end. Teleos. To completion. What is our motivation? Verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's how we get through this. The author, the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The example is fixing our eyes on Christ. 
We talked about the mandates, the weights, casting off you know, the sin, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what, not being ensnared by all those things that keeping, uh, keeps us from running to Christ. This describes how we run the race. You keep your eyes to Christ. Matter of fact, a runner, does he run looking at his feet? Well, if he does, he's going to trip. Because he's going to run into something, right? A runner has to keep his head straight ahead. And he's on the mark. If you're nearing the end, you're looking at that finish line. If you're way back there, you just started, you, you still know there's a finish line. I can see the finish line. I know it's there. I'm going to get to it. If you are a boxer, you have to keep your eyes. You have to keep your eyes on the glove because that's what's going to try to attack you. If you're playing golf, what do they say? Keep your eye on the ball. How often the easiest to go like this, right? Boy, Luke, would that is that totally wrong? Like this? But you want to see where it goes. I didn't keep it right here. What does a golfer do? He's right on it. What does a baseball player do? Same thing. Keep your head on the ball. I'm, I remember coaches teaching um, my sons, and you'd hear it night after night at batting practice. Keep your head on the ball. And it's so easy to go like this. Just like 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 golfers do if they're not trained on that. But you'll see this, the guys that are hitting all these home runs, you'll see that perfect swing when they come back and they're right here. Keep your eyes. If you're playing soccer, what are you doing? You are keeping your eyes on that field. You're looking at, if you're going to kick it, you're going to be looking at the ball all the way to your... Or you're going to be looking at where the defender's at. Your eyes are... I mean... They're not doing the physical thing as far as your arms, your legs, but without your eyes, you can't be playing, right? And that's how you're going to be able to, to do that. Almost any kind of sport, anything you do, you, you have to look at... We're looking at Christ. We can't run this race without Him, right? That's too simple. It's too simple here, but fixing our eyes on Jesus, you live by that model. That's what it's about. Keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on Him. We're going to finish with this, and I'm not going to be able to do justice with this right here, right now. Jesus is the author. He's the perfecter. What is author? It's archagon, arch, arch, first, prime, right? Archagon, pioneer, um, author or pioneer. He's the pioneer. What's a pioneer? He goes into the land where there are trees, and you know he has to you know cut back the brush and everything. He's there first. The people follow him. Jesus is our pioneer or captain, and you'll find that in Hebrews chapter two, verse ten, a key verse there. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the pioneer of our salvation. He's the one that brought us there. He brought us to the race, didn't he? He he starts it. What's the next word? Perfecter. The word teleos really is, is involved there. Telling. Uh, it's to finish. To come to the completion. Jesus on the cross says, it is finished. It's completed. It's done. So Jesus is the one who starts it as the captain and He's also the one who finishes it for us. Isn't that great? We're underneath Christ. He's the one that does it. He brings our faith to completion. And we read our Philippians 1.6. That's how we finish well if we're looking at Christ. What's the motivation? We'll look at the motivation that Christ had. Who for the joy set before Him. He's dealing with the cross and all the things that's, that comes with that. And the death, the agony that He went through. And He saw the joy at the end of this. And He saw that His people were going to be saved. He bore our sins. He, he focused on the joy set before Him because He glorified the Father by His act at the cross. He completed the work that the Father had Him to do. And that was joy to Him even though He went through absolute agony. So next time you're in agony, all you have to do is put your eyes on Christ. Think about the agony that He went through when He took your sin, all of your sin, as it's cast on Him. And He paid for your sin. And all of a sudden, this race isn't so hard, is it? We have the motivation. You always have the motivation. 
and it glorifies the Father and it completes what the Father has done. Here's what you do. First of all, take your eyes off yourself. Forget yourself. And then put your eyes on Christ, number two. And then fix your eyes on Him. Keep them fixed. Don't be looking down at your feet as you're running. That's the key to not growing weary. That's the key to being a person of faith. And it's all focused on Christ. Keep focused. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for Your Word. It is precious. It is You. And Lord, where I have failed to bring forth what Your truth is here, Your Word can speak to us. There's so much that can be said. We could do hours and hours. Of course, we run out of time. But at the same time, Lord, may this be very edifying to each one of us as we focus on Christ. It's not a matter of legalism. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts. But it's all about You and getting our priorities correct of what is important in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.